Hello, and welcome to the Flynn Skidmore podcast. My goal is to help you become exactly who you want to be. We're here to help you take your biggest, boldest, most beautiful vision for life and turn that vision into reality. I'm a therapist and I'm a business mentor, and I'm having eye-opening conversations with people from all walks of life offering all of the perspectives and tools you need in order for you to become exactly who you want to be. So get ready to attract the love that you've always wanted, cultivate your grandest vision for your next level life, tap into abundance, wealth, and develop a deep understanding of your highest self and how to bring that vision of you to life. Today, I'm here with my girlfriend, business partner, best friend, Emily Sudlow, to speak about relationships, specifically how to go from anxious attachment to secure in one relationship. We also dive into love bombing, changing your partner, and living a preference-based life. We loved filming this episode, and we're so excited for you to listen. I put that video out Mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago. That there's no such thing as doing too much too soon in the because relationship. Because you were too much. Well. Someone that puts that video out is too much. <laughs> <laughs> like that's the worst part. That someone that is putting out content that says you can't do too much too soon. Obviously, I mean, audience, I hope you can hear this. too much. Is the king of too much. <laughs> like he came out the gate too much. <laughs> well. I was thinking that it didn't tell the whole story because though all of that is true, there was that period like three months into our relationship Mm -hmm. where I went through a bout of anxious attachment for about a month. Do you remember? I do remember. I know you remember. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think was going on? What was that like from your perspective? I think it was interesting because we've always, one thing I will say, so I feel like a little context, Flynn and I started talking and we went through what you would consider the normal talking stage. And one thing I will say is I and him were also very good at communicating our needs and our wants and literally letting people know we're on the same page. This is what we're doing. And then I think what was happening is you could see the next step for us and I wasn't there yet. You Mm -hmm. could see where we are today, Mm -hmm. right? And I was living in the moment, which I was really trying to practice being present. And I think one thing that was interesting is you started to feel anxious because you felt as if maybe I wasn't caught up to you yet in terms of connection and feeling. That's right. That's a really good way of, of explaining it. Like I remember meeting you and immediately... I was like, oh my God, this this is the thing that I have been wanting. This is the person that I've been wanting on all of these fronts. Because um, I've been so deeply looking for a person that I know that I can co-create life with on a very high level. And it was so easy to see that that's who you are. Um, 
Yes, and I wanted to speed up that motherfucking you, connection. I, I mean, wanted he to. was dropping love bombs. What was it, week three? Yes. I mean, by text, but people are thinking Flynn's a love bomber, but he's not, right? Like, you were doing all the right things, and you also never pressured me to say and feel a certain way. But you were just, I think, seeing what I couldn't see. And that's what I love so much is, like, our communication in that process. And I think that's what we need to talk a little bit about is because I think there's a – a world in which anxious attachment can be resolved and healed relatively quickly. And then there's also a world where if your partner's not attuned to your needs, then it just spirals. Yes. Yes. So I, we, we want to get into the anxious attachment stuff and I think it's going to be really interesting for people to hear an example of in what people think like, can I go from, I have patterns of anxious attachment. Can I go from my patterns of anxious attachment to secure attachment? And I think most of the time when people are asking that or thinking about it, they're thinking about from one relationship to another. And I think it's really important to understand that within one relationship, with one person or many, if that's the thing, but let's just talk about with one person, you can have multiple experiences of all different types of attachment. It's possible to go from anxiously attached to what would be described as securely attached. I think it'd be really great for people to hear an example of what that looks like. But I, I think that it might be valuable as you were speaking something came up which is uh like would you say that there was a difference between what i was doing and love bombing oh a thousand percent if so like what do you think that difference is like what what is love bombing and what was i doing completely i don't know how i would describe love bombing by the definition of it i feel like for me i would be able to express it as more of a feeling and again that's why it worked That's why what Flynn was doing worked because he was not love bombing and there is such a difference. So I think in terms of love bombing, there's a lot of selfishness behind it and I think there's a lot of urgency. So Mm -hmm. I I would say in terms of what I've experienced with love bombing and what people talk about is that someone is telling you that they love you, but it's mostly about them. And they're showing up, maybe they're not even saying I love you, right? Maybe they're showing up and doing all these things that are too much, but it's about suiting a need for them that feels right. And I think in terms of what you were doing, again, we over-communicated. It was very clear that you were able to share, this is my experience. You don't have to be here right now, Uh but this is what I feel and I just need to tell you. Yeah, that's, so I'm looking up the definition and it- As I'm reading it, so it says the action or practice of lavishing someone with attention or affection, especially mm-hmm. in order to influence or manipulate them. I probably it it's I think manipulate is probably mm-hmm. the most important thing in there. It's like when someone is doing it to change someone else's experience so mm-hmm. that they can lock it in or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think what I'm hearing you saying and what I remember, what I hope is what I want to be true. Of course. Is that I was more coming with the approach of like, listen, I know this is a lot, but I am falling in love with you. I feel really intensely about you. You don't have to, you can do whatever you want with that. If that's too much, like step away 
but this is what my experience is. And I want to let you know that. Mm -hmm. So it was like not attached to changing your experience. Completely. Also, when you were describing the definition of love bombing and the word like manipulate, right? I'm wondering too, I feel like there are instances when people aren't consciously aware that they are manipulating, right? Oof, I Great point. I really think that sometimes when people are love bombing, they don't understand that like what they're doing can be manipulative. Mm -hmm. What do you think? I really, I really think that that's true. And it'd be, I mean, it'd be amazing if we had examples of, do you have examples? Can you mm -mm. think of anything? You're not ready You're, to spill that tea. No, I don't have that tea. Mm -hmm. I feel like- I've been lucky in past relationships to not have experienced the intensity of love bombing, mm -hmm. but it is case by case, right? And I think that's also something that we can talk about within this relationship and something that a lot of people don't mention with anxious and avoidant attachment. <clears throat> and we've mentioned, right? You can go from anxious to secure in one relationship, but do you also think within one relationship at different points of the relationship, you can experience anxiety, anxiety avoidance, secure like in one relationship do you think those feelings can emerge at different points and it's kind of this like not a cycle but like those feelings can come up a hundred percent a hundred percent they think one of the that book attached that a bunch of people have read which i think is you know it's a great book it's helpful the authors do say that people are capable of changing their attachment styles mm -hmm. But most people that I know who have read that book come away from that book thinking that they are one type or the other. Exactly. I've found in my experience with myself, with other people, I've found that the truth is, is that one person is many attachment styles at mm -hmm. once. What it's really about is actually, is not like becoming one or the other it's about how you're managing the existence of all of them how you and this other person that you're with are like setting up styles of communication and ways of supporting so that you can have more of the experience that you want but like it's it's still there mm -hmm. like i think that so we can get into the details of like month three of our relationship i went through a bout of anxiety rock <laughs> Not the song. Okay, now that you've sung into the microphone, Anxiety Rock, you need to expand on what that means. So set, set we'll, the stage. we'll expand on Anxiety Rock. I can't remember what I was going to say with the rest of it. So let's okay. just go into Anxiety Rock. Okay, because I think we it, joke in our relationship that as both of us are, I would say, I wouldn't call us dramatic, but I feel like there's a touch of extravagance. You know, we do a lot. We're a lot as people, I would say. Um, and so we joke about this part in our relationship now because everything that's ever happened in our relationship that I would say is like someone could say conflict or someone could say negative or all these things that have come up. We always then months later, weeks or days or hours find something to laugh about with that. And I think that is actually what works so well in our relationship and makes us so connected because it turns into a joke. And it, this is my favorite joke. Yes, ex exactly. It's, I was, I was thinking about this for a piece of content the other day that being a secure person, you know, secure mm -hmm. attachment, secure in general is not about no longer having insecurities. It's about how you relate to your insecurities. Mm -hmm. And if you think about two, so one person is one person who has relationships with the things within themselves and all that. But 
two people are kind of just an extension of one person. The way that I think about relationships is like when you're in a relationship with one other person, it's like you two are creating a third person mm-hmm. and that person has a personality. Um, some some people would even make the argument that that person has like a, their own heartbeat and their own like um, brain mm-hmm. function and that kind of stuff, which I think is a cool way of thinking about it. But certainly a third thing is created which has a particular energy to it. So one of the things that I think you and I do really well is our third person has a very secure relationship with insecurity. Mm-hmm. Like you're saying, like la- laughs at it. Of course, there's a way of laughing at insecure things that's like bully energy, but it's Completely. deeply not that. It's like, I, I, I maybe most people will understand this, but just like making fun of each other as a love language. Like mm-hmm. it's the best. It's our top love it's language. It's the best. It's like- so now as we make fun of Anxiety Rock, so a little bit of context, yes. we're in La Jolla and it's month three of our relationship. Flynn obviously lives in San Diego. I live in Venice. So we still kind of go back and forth, um, which I love. And we can get into that later on how we love our own space too in relationships. But Flynn is deciding that we need to go on a walk on the beach. <laughs> But the energy was just like, it was different. Like he had something to say. So of course, as any therapist does when you're dating a therapist, instead of having a conversation like in a gross environment, he brings me to the beach to (laughs) chat with me about our relationship, which again, a whole nother episode on dating a therapist, but incredible. Like I Loki loved the scenic views of this conversation. It It really helped. And it wasn't even a hard conversation, but essentially Flynn brought me over to this rocky area and he wanted to talk about the anxiety he was feeling in our relationship and kind of asking me like, when am I going to be on the same page in terms of our connection? Because I was moving at a much slower pace, which could have disrupted our plans for the future. But you were so patient and poor thing you were, you had to be patient. Which is so funny to think because we are speaking about month three. Yeah, like, like this most is people early. would say that that is not it's- patient. I just knew. I just knew. He knew. I mean, you joke <clears throat> that you knew. When you saw my Instagram, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> I kind of did. <laughs> and But you really knew after the first date. And I was in a point where I was like, I think he's great and I'm going to get to know him. And one thing I consistently said is that I'm a slow burn person. So in terms of my previous situations, the one thing I had learned is like take action and take their words and put them together. Yeah. So I was just, you know, it takes time. So yeah. month three, I'm like, amazing. I'm seeing all the action. I'm seeing all the words. Great. We'll keep moving at this trajectory. And Flynn was like, I'm ready. And we weren't dating technically at this point, which I think is so funny. Because remember, it was before yeah. we were official. I mean, we were dating, obviously, but it's like the official label of boyfriend and girlfriend. So it was a lot. So now we jokingly called this location in La Jolla Anxiety Rock because it was <laughs> where, where Flynn we is, had our chat. He has felt the most anxiety. Maybe <laughs> in his rock, life. The rock grounded me. Yeah, I he felt was needing calmed by the ocean. nature. <laughs> I was like looking off into the distance at the surf as I was chatting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's one thing. As I mean, I think we talked about it a little bit, right? With the book attached and feeling anxiety, feeling, being avoidant and secure all in one relationship. What do you think 
was your process from going to anxious to secure? What was helpful that I did? And then what would you say really helped transform your experience from like feeling what you were feeling on anxiety rock to what you feel now? Fantastic question. Well, let's, let's kind of go, let's go back a bit to, to put this experience that I was Mm -hmm. having in context. Um, cause what, what I remember happening was that I was I was unsure if my feelings were matched. Mm-hmm. And I was having an experience of questioning and doubting that was creating a lot of discomfort for me. And mm-hmm. it was in the course of that month, it was increasing. Um I have had a few relationships where I've had that experience. And after the last one that I was in, which was a few years ago, which was less about like doubting, but more just about like this person isn't like, I'm such a like loving. Mm -hmm. The most loving. So I need like (laughs) 10 out of 10 joy and love. Mm -hmm. And I have not, been with all that many people who wanted to match that with the consistency that I mm-hmm. that I like it. I just I just love being loving and being enthusiastic about it. And so a few years ago I had decided that I was just I was never going to do that again. Mm-hmm. I was never going to invest my energy into a person who where I felt like I had to silence or suppress how much love I had to give, because it, it 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 feels really shitty to do, to to do that. So that was one of the things that was coming up. Was like, okay, fuck, I this person like is it in so many ways, and I'm noticing this pattern come up that I know is not a long term thing for me. And mm-hmm. I think that that's, that's one of the main points that I was making was like, in our conversation, one of the things I remember expressing is like, listen, if this is how you relate, that's okay. I need to know if this is your ideal level of relating to each other, because if it is, it's not going to work for me long-term. Like I need building, I need amplifying joy and love and building on that every single day. And I think I remember you saying like, listen, look at the signs, look at the evidence. I'm super into you. I am a slow burn person. I've been hurt a lot in the past and I'm not, I don't want to do that. Like, I, I don't want to dive in at the level that you're diving in. I like right now don't want to match that. So it was cool because I, I feel like I expressed pretty clearly that, and this, this is one of the components that I think is important from going from experiencing to anxiety to security is like, I had already made a deep commitment to my mm-hmm. energy levels. And I was already a person who had committed to never doing anything that was depleting me. And this was starting to deplete me. And my energy honestly was more valuable to me than who I thought you were. Because at that point, I was really just making guesses about who you were. That's such a good point. Because I feel like in a lot of relationships, like obviously now we've known each other a year. So you can say, I, you know everything about me. But at that point, like we are operating on the basis of assumption, right? This is the ideal person for me, but that's based on 
a small amount of evidence from in person and also the idea of that person in your head. Right. A hundred, a hundred percent. I think at that point, it really is story. A lot of it is story. And then it's a process of like seeing, I do think story is important. I think Mm -hmm. it's important and like beautiful and romantic to have a story about a person. But then it's like when you find evidence that they're not the story that you want, what are you going to do with that? What, What I've experienced with you is that the story of who you are has revealed itself to be even better than the story that I was able to tell myself back then because I hadn't yet seen a person who operates on the level that you do. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So my storytelling capacity was limited. And so that Mm -hmm. is this beautiful thing that's happened that's like really made me fall in love because I'm like, fuck, this person is better than what I could have conceived of on my own before (laughs) her. For real. (laughs) Well, I think it's funny too, because now that you know my whole story, it makes sense. Like for context, I was the shyest (laughs) little girl of literally all time. Like I would go to play group, like my mom will remember this. So we would go to play group and I wouldn't play with any of the kids. I would sit on my mom's lap. And then when I got home, I would tell my mom everything I saw and everything. We would chat about what was happening for me. So when you look at that context of like, how I am as a person, you're realizing that I was just watching, right? Like I was participating in our relationship, but I was watching it unfold until I felt so comfortable to be that inner child version of me again, which I am now that is like screaming, jumping off the walls, like so much joy. But that was that slow progression. And you can now see that like, oh, instantly, like, of course it makes sense that I kept telling you like slow burn, slow burn. And then I, But also I think there is a difference with partners and maybe people have experienced this. If over time, my actions and energy hadn't matched what I was saying, there would have been a problem. A hundred percent. If you had, you, what, what I really don't like, what I really don't like is closedness around the heart. And to be honest with you, like, I operate in such, and which I think you can attest mm-hmm. to, in such an open-hearted, invulnerable way. Like I'm operating with like, I'm going to love everyone so much because I'm not that afraid of getting hurt. And so if someone is more closed-hearted, I'm actually having an experience of them where I'm like, I I don't want that fear in my life. I want a level of like next level courage and bravery and invulnerability. And you have shown me that you have the courage to love on that level. And this, I didn't even realize this at the time, but I think that part of the anxiety was like, oh, fuck, I thought she was this person, but is she actually a person who's afraid to love? And if Mm. that's the case, then what do I do? Because I'm kind of attached to the story that I'm telling, but then I'm getting this evidence that she's not the story. So what do I, you know, that's where the anxiety comes up is when the behaviors don't match the story and you think you need the behaviors to match the story because you're not going to leave if they don't. That's the thing with anxiety. It's like, I'll get all the evidence in the world that this is that per, this person is not the person that I want them to be, and I'm not going to leave. So I'm trapped in this experience. I think that's a lot of what the fuels mm-hmm. the anxiety. So let's talk about when things shifted then, and shift. how they can shift 
in your relationships because I do think that if a relationship stays anxious and stays avoidant for the duration of the relationship, for me personally, that would be very depleting. A hundred percent. So I think let's talk about when things shifted for us. So for me, it was, again, the slow burn energy, but seeing over time the consistency with Flynn's words and actions, he was showing up in a way that I had never experienced in a partner before with the most joy and the most love. And I was starting to feel safe. Mm -hmm. And when I feel safe, I'm able to match that love and that energy beyond what I think he thought was possible because Mm -hmm. it was a whole nother side of me. Mm -hmm. So I would say after our conversation at Anxiety Rock, (laughs) I want to say it was like a month and a half, maybe a month, three weeks before we found our groove before we were like officially dating. I was like, I'm ready for this. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I think it was, it was like remember. a month-ish, maybe mm-hmm. two, honestly. It was slow for me. And it's so funny because everyone has different timelines, right? Like some people could say, oh, we talked for eight months and then we dated. We talked for three weeks and then we dated. But I think for me, it was just about, again, seeing that consistency over time. And also one thing I do think we did well in this time period is express and start to have conversations about things that might be uncomfortable. So I remember really early on, I think even before the Anxiety Rock conversation, I, we were sitting at this table and I asked you like, what would you like me to do better? Like just asking for feedback, not better as in like, I'm not enough as a partner and I need you to tell me what to do, but like, what are you liking? And like, what do you want more of? Yes. And I remember you saying like, I want more affection and PDA type of an answer. And I was like, oh, okay. Like I had no idea at this point. Again, we're probably like a month or two in. Okay. Two things in there that are incredibly important. One is like actually what were the stru- what was the structure of the conversations we were having, right? Because that mm-hmm. that's really important for people to know so they can replicate it. Uh, and what you said, you were asking questions of like how how can I be better? What does it look like if I'm showing up better? Um, and I think I was, a, which is an amazing question because you were asking that. There's a way of asking that question. I know, and that's I think like, I asked it as like, what would you like more of? You know, it was never like an answer that was a negative reflection of me, but just like, what do you want more of? And then with being able- actual curiosity. Exactly. Because a lot of, with those kinds of questions, a lot like what matters is the energy of that question. So a lot of the time people are asking that question or a similar question and coming with like accusation energy. Mm, mm-hmm. So they're not actually curious about what they can do better or what they can change. You wanted this to work enough that you were motivated to actually be curious and you're such a growth oriented person this this is i think a, a huge component of of going from anxious to secure you're so growth oriented but you're not looking for feedback from me that's like a, oh how can i be the best for flynn Mm-hmm. You filter things through, oh, Flynn is giving me this feedback. That aligns with my big story of myself. I want to be that person. And this other person that I'm in a relationship with is giving me some feedback that's letting me know I'm not yet the person I, I want to be. Mm-hmm. So I want to do that better. That's a huge component of it because in your your change is then intrinsically motivated. Whereas if you were changing for mm-hmm. me, that just doesn't work. That perpetuates the the anxiety and the lack. The other thing is 
I hate that you said that I asked for PDA, but honestly, the truth is, is that I did. (laughs) (laughs) Which, okay, not a cringe level of PDA, right? It was very, it was very different, but it was something where I just wasn't like a person that was like holding hands and kissing in public. And I think now we're like, not cringy, but (laughs) you yesterday at Erewhon is an example of what I want. Uh-huh. Which was like we I don't even remember what we were doing, but I was like grabbing you and torturing you and like dancing or something like that. We were like, being the most, but it was like hilarious laughing, kissing, just like in our that, own world. It's that is the th- I don't even want like make out. I zero percent make out in public. I want like I just don't give a fuck about where we are. I want to be laughing and bringing the most joy Having the same experience as if we were alone. It's kind of like Flynn's version of PDA. Exactly. Exactly. Like intimacy in every environment. And for us, intimacy is like laughing and being crazy. So that's the thing that Mm -hmm. I want because I I just think that that's the best. I love that. So, okay. The truth is, is that you weren't as attracted to me physically as you are now and you wanted to be less associated with how I was appearing to the world than you do now and I was picking up on that back then and I was right about it mm-hmm. so part that, is a, of, that is a truth it's bomb. a truth that is like mic drop. I knew that that was happening. I knew that there were things that you wanted to change about. So, yeah, context a for little change. context. A little, because don't worry, I'm not coming at your neck. It's the greatest gift that's ever been given to me. So, kind of this interesting thing that's happened throughout my life and through my relationship with Emily is. I've always had this image of myself as like looking a particular way and I like representing myself to the world in a particular way. And I've always thought that I was that. But now when I look back at pictures of times where I thought that I was the thing, where I thought that I was a certain thing, I see myself and I was like, oh my God, I was not that thing. I was delusional. I thought that I was this <laughs> you other thing. You were never delusional. <laughs> I, I think I was. I think I was like delusionally confident about what I looked like and how I was appearing, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the amazing things that has happened with Emily is Emily has this capacity to like see deep into the like, I don't know. I think I have this thing too. You see people's ideal versions like, and you're able exactly. to help bring that to life. Exactly. Right? So Emily has helped me actually appear as this version of myself that I've always seen myself as. But when we started dating, I wasn't appearing that way. Mm-hmm. And I think one thing to note with like the physical appearance is for me personally, it was really an exchange of energy. And this is what I mean by that. With Flynn saying that he was delusional and that he wanted to be a certain way and appear a certain way, when I can see his ideal self and then see the self he's presenting as and see a disconnect, right? There was for me something I'm like, Something's not adding up. Something's not adding up. And it wasn't that he looks the exact same physically that he did when we I met. I actually think different. You do. You have evolved, I think. And I think that's a lot of a lot of like confidence and other factors that can like structurally change your appearance, right? Because yeah. like no actual 
physical changes were made other than that. Well, actually, well, Connor has been noting a lot of physical changes. Like my jaw has brought in, my face has gotten wider. So a lot of it has to do with like the movement training I've been doing. And also a lot of it has to do with experiencing probably more confidence and mm-hmm. joy than I ever have. And it's expressing itself through me physically. Here's an interesting take. I'm <laughs> wondering if the anxiety was kind of physically presenting in a way that was unattractive, right? Because I think a lot of who you are now is not that person when we first met. Even like there's so many differences in like your practice, your social media, things that you see now and you're like, oh, duh. And then when you were looking at those things, then they weren't what they are now. Mm -hmm. And so there was this disconnect. And I think you were so hungry for feedback and change that I was never saying like, I don't like this about Flynn. I just saw his potential and I needed that slow burn time. I think if we're being really honest, and this is, I wrote in my newsletter, like, I don't want love to be conditional. Like, I think that if, because what we're talking about here is we, you and I had a similar vision of my potential. And of our life. And of our life together. So similar vision, because like my me meeting my potential means us meeting the potential of our life and same with you, right? So similar vision of my potential. What this is really about is like bringing my potential to life, accelerating the process of of bringing my potential to life. And I... I like the I, I truly like the idea that this relationship only works if I'm hungry mm-hmm. to continue to bring my potential to life. Not out of desperate not it's not not because it keeps you around. Mm-hmm. You staying around is one of the benefits of me fiercely pursuing bringing my potential to life, but like if I stayed the same I would want you to leave. I mm-hmm. wouldn't want to get the reward of a relationship like this without like actually doing the work to become this version of myself that I want to be. Completely. Do you think that both people in a relationship, if we're talking about a two-person relationship, need to be working toward potential? Because I think <sighs> important context here is that Flynn wasn't the only one doing work on himself, Not right? Close. So in this case, it seems like, oh, like Emily's just telling Flynn what to do, but it was quite the <laughs> opposite, where I was also experiencing so much change of things in terms of like being on my phone, being defensive in conflict, like really big changes that I wasn't sure how to navigate. And now that I think we've come to a really great place on. So we were both experiencing like really, and the same thing, if you left me, like we're both hungry for our potential and our growth beyond anything that that's kind of all that matters and what is what fuels our love and our connection. But do you think that if one person is trying to better themselves, right? And the other person isn't, is there going to be an imbalance that impacts the relationship? I think absolutely. I think uh, what the only the only thing that we can really measure or judge the, what we can use to judge all of this is satisfaction. That's that's it. I don't think there's anything beyond that. So we can only ask ourselves like. Is this, is this thing that we're experiencing of bringing potential to life satisfying? Is this relationship satisfying? Um, 
And I have, I have, I can't think of any evidence. I can't think of any instances where one person is. So, so there's two elements to growth. There's the hunger, there's the willingness, and then there's the capacity, you know? So like, how hungry are you to grow? And then also, what is your capacity to grow? Like, how, what skills do you have? How, what is your ability like to actually make the changes that you want to make? And I have never seen, let's put it, let me put it like this. I've never seen a relationship where one person has a hunger to grow that I can identify with and the other person doesn't have a hunger to grow that I can identify with. I've never seen a relationship like that that I would want to be in. Mm-hmm. I, I could only be in this type of relationship only. So can we, can I say that there's a rule around it and you can't be happy if one person is hungry and then the other person isn't who, I don't think it, it makes sense to ever speak about those rules. I think that's totally possible. I know for me personally, that that is the clearest no that I could ever think of. I would never be in a relationship like that. This is so energizing to me. This, our relationship gives me so much life. Um, and that's, that's how I see everything in my life. Every decision that I make is, does this thing give me energy to do more of what I want to do? Does this relationship give me more energy to show up for my clients better, to make better content? Those things give me more energy to show up for this relationship better. So that's, that's how I see everything, every single thing that I do, every single thing that I say, every single thing that I think. And that I just have like the deepest commitment to that imaginable. And it triggers me to think about not being <laughs> stuck in an environment where I am being depleted by something. But I, I guess I can't say that it's not possible to be happy if that's. Totally. I think anxiety, avoidance, secure relationships and energy are all connected. So I think what's really interesting is that when we're looking at anxiety and being avoidant, we're also looking at this energy source where if it's being depleted, it's causing this, right? If it's being fulfilled, you're maybe leaning on the more secure side. What should people do if they're experiencing anxiety in relationship and it's starting to feel depleting? How do you either, you know, communicate your needs and kind of start that conversation to either know like, is there potential here? Like, am I wasting my time? Like what, what is there to do? Mm Mm-hmm. Do you have any ideas? Like how, if let's say, let's say I were starting to experience a bunch of anxiety in Mm -hmm. our relationship, what do you think would be the way that I could approach that conversation with you that would be the most effective? Of course. So I think I can speak from our relationship and what works and what I would assume works collectively. I think it's really clear communication and approaching it in a way that's not defensive and doesn't have an ulterior motive except for just communicating. Mm-hmm. So I think when people bring things to the table, accusations can also come up, which is really challenging, right? Because that changes the dynamic of the conversation. But I think the biggest thing, one thing that you have really ingrained in me and that you speak about is preferences. I think that it's becoming clear on your preferences in a relationship. And if something isn't matching what you want or what you desire to happen, understanding that preference and then as plainly as possible, 
communicating that to your partner and talking about them, like talking about that. Is that their ideal vision is to be pulled away and not having text communication? Is that what works for them? And then explaining what your preference is. Mm-hmm. I, that's so spot on. Do you see us doing that regularly? I see us always talking about preferences. Mm-hmm. I actually think it's like the fuel in our relationship. Mm-hmm. We have co-created and independently defined what we want our future and the vision for our life to look like. It's helpful that it matches 100%, mm-hmm. right? Because I think that is what makes the best relationships work. Is this like unified vision that pushes both of us? It gets us out of bed in the morning. It makes us go to bed early, right? We're continuously every day fighting for this vision that we don't yet have, but that we are continuously cultivating. So I think that is the most important thing. You know, in that video that I said, uh, like I'm more attached to my satisfaction than I am to the relationship, which I know you understand. And I know that also semi-triggered you. Yeah. No, the comments are like, yeah, the the people are looking for a breakup. They're ready. (laughs) It's brewing. The tea. So I, what I love about you Mm -hmm. is that I think that you are more committed to your vision of life than you are to the relationship. And I can say the same for you. And that makes it so that you are evaluating the relationship in a very simple way. Is this helping me bring my vision to life? Yes or no? And it creates an, an immense amount of accountability for us both because- I love you and I love our relationship and I want to be able to show up in the relationship every, not every day, every second in a way that is helping you bring your vision to life. But honestly, if I were, if, if I were to not be able to show up in a way that, in a way that's helpful anymore, Mm -hmm. I would want you to leave the relationship. I'm, I'm more committed to your highest vision of satisfaction coming to life than I am like just staying in the relationship just because we think the relationship is going to give us something that it's not actually giving us, you know? So that thing, the preferences, like what you want, what you know you want, your highest vision, right? You bring your preferences to the table. This is what I want. Here's what I, how I want to be spending our time, how I want to speak to people, how I want people to feel around us, going to bed, what food. You bring your preferences to the table. I bring my preferences to the table. We see where there's overlap. For us, I can't think of anything that there's not overlap on. But that only happens because you and I are both brutally honest about mm-hmm. what our preferences are. You're not lying about anything and neither am I. And I think it is only with bringing that energy that you get what, let's call it 99% alignment. I Maybe there's something that's off. but And then when you have that alignment of preferences, then what you get to do, like I think what makes our conversations around hard things mm-hmm. go really well is- we both know the life we want to be experiencing. We both know the things that we want to have. And most importantly, we both know our preferences for our the feelings we want to be experiencing, right? So 
we're both clear on that. We've both agreed to that, what we want our life to be filled with in terms of feelings mostly. However, here is a pattern of an experience that I'm having that is not aligning with what you and I both have said our preferences are. So here's this experience I've been having. Now, I'm not seeing it as your fault. I'm not seeing it as my fault. I'm just seeing it as a thing that's happening. It's a problem. And now we get to solve the problem. And I think that's something mm-hmm. that it, that happens really well in secure relationships is you're not identifying with problems. You're kind of excited about problems because then you get to solve them and create something better. You and I working together to solve a problem is is better than you solving a problem on your own or me solving a problem on my own. So then you and I get to create an amazing solution that makes our relationship even better. I think like that is the thing that makes it work really well. I think the first step that people can do is identify independently their highest preferences. And then you can match them with your partners, see where there's overlap and see where there's not. The interesting thing with Flynn talking about our overlap is that when conflict does come up for us, it makes it so easy to take accountability, right? So if he's telling me, Emily, like you being on your phone at this hour, which has happened months ago, you being on your phone at this hour is so distracting and it's taking away from our ideal vision in our life. It's so easy for me to say, you're right. And I'm going to take ownership of that because we have identified our highest self and our highest goal in our relationship, which is this preference for the things that we want in life. Mm -hmm. And when those are connected and both people are not on the same page, right? We have differences. Like for instance, like he loves being in San Diego. I love being in LA. So we work around those preferences together. He loves the surf. He loves the tennis. We could do a whole episode on Flynn's favorite La Jolla hot spots. <laughs> but I have strong preferences against some things in San Diego, but I still love it. Like, you know, my homemade milk and et cetera. But now you're distracting me. <laughs> so, okay. <clears throat> imagine this. Imagine you... Imagine, okay, so we've got our highest preferences. We've both communicated them and, and we both understand that our journey of life, I'm sorry, like, I'm sorry to say the word journey, but it's the same as saying like magician. (laughs) I'm waving my fucking wand at you. Okay. Put on a top hat. Our journey of life. It is a journey. Um. Okay. (laughs) So is like. You don't know all of your preferences right now. I don't know all of my preferences right now. However, we are living a life that is about honoring our preferences. And the more we honor our preferences, the more we uncover more preferences, what we like. All of this is about learning what we like, not just me and you, everyone. It's learning about what we like and then being courageous enough to design a life that is about what you like. That's what this is about. So when we're talking about preferences, we're not like, okay, go do a journal prompt and write them all out and there you go. It's it's an ever evolving thing, but the only way for it to evolve is for you to commit to your preferences mm-hmm. and to commit to not 
investing in environments where your preferences are not being met. And imagine this, if your partner's preferences are being met, you know, Flynn develops a new preference for something, it makes it so effortless for me to be like, I want him to have everything possible for that preference to be a reality in his life. It makes you want to commit to your partner in a way that they're also bringing the most satisfaction to their life, which makes the relationship better because the energy they're able to bring is so much better. When your preferences are met, you're able to show up in your relationship in a way that's like, it's just, it's everything. It's, it's, it is magical. And I it know is. you hate that word, but it's magical because that's, we don't even need to get into all that. But so that thing with preferences, right? Now imagine you come to me and you say, Flynn, this, I'm noticing this pattern, this thing that you're doing. Um, you've, this has happened before mm -hmm. with like, let's say with the newsletter. Mm -hmm. So this newsletter that, uh, that comes out every Tuesday, we have, which is amazing. I will say like, I'll give you all the credit, even though we do it together. <laughs> 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 we, well, I need Emily. What for people it. don't know is that we joke that I'm Chris Jenner and Flynn is Kim K. So, like, low key, everything he's doing, I'm behind the scenes executing, like, 100%. Behind every like, man is. And he is my beautiful puppet in the woman. best. No, literally. I know. But Flynn is Kim K. My he's the star. <laughs> that was an endearing, not like a manipulative. I, know. I have to clarify for people, though, because our humor is. People will not think that that's okay. manipulative. So. But my Kim K here sometimes struggle struggles as a yeah. visionary so one of the things that i struggle with we have a deadline at friday af friday afternoon to have at least a draft ready of the newsletter now we just put out the 10th newsletter and guess how many times i've completed the newsletter at 10 p.m on monday night <laughs> nine out of ten <laughs> eight or nine out of ten i think it's right nine. so Emily, you know, a, a couple weeks ago, and I think things have changed, but a couple weeks ago, Emily was like, listen, Flynn, you have said that you want to do this this way. You want to be finished dead, meet deadline at three on Friday person, and you are not demonstrating that. You are not being the person that you say you want to be. And like, you're demonstrating less of a capacity to change in this area than I have in areas that you've asked me to change. And when Emily said that to me, like, this is where the, like, I think is magical. It's not personal. It's not personal. It's like, you are so right. That pattern is happening. I am not being the person that I have said that I want to be. You have full reign to tell me that. I want you to tell me that. And it's not perfect yet, but it's better, right? Mm -hmm. But imagine I wasn't able to change something. Mm -hmm. Imagine how much anxiety and frustration you would be experiencing if you didn't trust that I would be able to change things when you bring them to me. I also think you would experience a lot of anxiety and frustration if I had brought that to the table with an accusatory nature that was like, you're doing this wrong and this is how to do it, right? 100%. So it takes both people 100%. for me to communicate in a way that's like, I love you, I'm obsessed with you, let's make this better because it's not your ideal self. And then the same for Flynn to say, you're right, let's identify this in a non-defensive way, I'm gonna take action 
will you help me do this? Uh, that, and that's how it went, right? Exactly. So, so there are two major components that I hear in that. What we're speaking about are components of what we can call a secure relationship or secure attachment. One is when you're communicating, it's not personal. It's about patterns and patterns of that. experience. It's not personal. It's not accusatory. It's just, this is what I'm noticing and it's not aligned with the thing that you say that you want, right? So there's that. And another component is that both people are able to actually change because if, if you weren't, if I didn't trust it, I know in my bones that if I bring something to you, you will be able to change it. Right. Um, if I didn't know that, then I would be experiencing increasing frustration and anxiety. So the components here are really good communication, which is a learnable skill and desire and capacity to change, which I also think maybe the desire is not learnable, but capacity to change is absolutely learnable. And I think when we talk about change in patterns, they're so connected, right? So like, Obviously, if over time Flynn wants me to change this big characteristic trait, that's hard to do, right? If he brings something to the table and he's like, you need to do this and I'm not sure how to execute, that's one thing. But if there's small patterns that you can find those micro habits and pinpoint what's not aligning and work on those, it becomes so much better for both people to say, this is an area I can improve versus telling someone that they fundamentally need to change something about themselves, right? So I think having those micro habits habits that you're able to identify like change can happen in this area and you can evolve to be a better person because what happens when you accomplish that micro habit right the next one becomes easier and then the next one and the next one and all of a sudden this bigger change that you've wanted to see in your life just becomes crystal clear and is so much easier to be accessible to you Mm -hmm. i really agree with that okay anxiety rock anxiety rock Can you give the people a quick song as we close out? No. Just maybe a quick. No. A quick. Okay, we're ending. (laughs) Oh my God. I love speaking with Emily so much. It is pretty common for us to call each other anywhere from 11 to 22 times per day. And sometimes it's just for 11 seconds just to make a joke or to laugh really quick. Um, I... Of all the things that I'm building in my life, I am the most proud of the relationship that Emily and I have. It is so fun and so loving. And I hope that that came through in this episode here. And it's also highly co-creative. She is phenomenal. And I'm so excited for us to be able to examine and reflect on the things that we do well and to share those things with you so that you can have a similar experience in the relationships that you have because it is so fulfilling and satisfying and fun and i would love to live in a world where you get to experience something similar and your own version of that so thank you for being here for this first episode we are so excited for what's to come and to give you more Uh, We love you. We appreciate you. Have a great day. We are super invested 
into actually creating results for people. If you're a podcast listener, if you're part of our membership, if you're part of our Love Expansion Accelerator, if you're a client, we want you to have an extraordinary experience. We want you to know that you belong here and that you contribute to the whole and we really want you to benefit from the whole. If you submit a review or a testimonial of this podcast, you will be entered into a pool and we will randomly pick one person to win two 30-minute sessions with me, which is about a $1,500 value. We'll be exploring who you want to be and what your current obstacles are, and you'll be coming away from this experience with clarity on how to dissolve those obstacles and step into your expansiveness in a bolder way. Not only is your review grounding and energizing and motivating for us, it's also helpful for other people who might be kind of like you, who might also benefit from engaging with my content or listening to this podcast. So please leave a review. It is helpful for us in many, many ways. We love you. We appreciate you. Thank you.